take your Bibles and find the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 4. Thank the Lord for his people who have, y'all know something I don't know. All right then. Well, the Holy Ghost just impressed me to come to Nehemiah. Just now, sitting there. I, didn't, I was going to preach out of Luke, and I thought right five seconds before I got up, he said, go to Nehemiah. I've been studying and preaching out of the book of out of the book of Nehemiah. And so I guess the Lord knows exactly what he's doing. Amen. I sure love your pastor and I love this church and I am grateful to be here. And in this hey man, I got me some sound. I've, praise God. That fellow's worth something after all back there. Amen. He can smack me after church. Lord, thank you for Calvary, and thank you for mercy, and thank you for Jesus. Now help me. Lord God, I'm just a man, but I am thy man. And Lord, just clay, just a clay vessel. But all oh, for thy grace, Lord, help us tonight. Thank you, Lord, for Brother Powell and his precious wife and family. And Lord God, for this dear flock, Lord, that you've made him the watch care over. Lord, I thank you now. For what you've done and pray you'd help us. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the Lord's people say it. Nehemiah chapter 4. I've had some thoughts out of Nehemiah as of late. The Lord's give us that we've been preaching across the country. And I have two thoughts. And maybe we'll preach them these nights and just see what the Lord does. Wouldn't bother me if this thing broke out and went two weeks. You know, I was thinking about it driving in. Wouldn't that be amazing if God sent revival? Down here on this little creek under these mountains and down here. And where are we at? Fallen waters? And, uh, oh, wouldn't that be something if God sent revival? I mean, he could do it. Break out of these walls here and get to saving sinners. And that drawing power, get to working up and down these, these byways. I think it'd be amazing. I'd be willing to do whatever God wanted us to do, wouldn't you? I'm praying for it. Well, Nehemiah chapter 4. Let me read two verses. Verse 1 and 2. The Bible says, Nehemiah 4 verse 1. But it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? We're in chapter 4 and verse 2. What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? I want to take out of these words and preach a little while to the church tonight with the help of God. Preach on what Satan fears about revival. Nehemiah was in the middle of a great revival. He was rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And brother, you and I ought to be encouraged tonight. Jerusalem's in revival right now. 1948, she's rebirthed. Something happened in world history that never had happened before. A dead civilization and a dead tongue and a dead nation was brought back. 
That ain't never happened. There ain't never been a nation that died out and then came back. 1948, the nation of Israel reborn and the prophetic wheels began to turn. And brother, the draw and power of God on the Gentiles may be at a dim ebb, but it's gone back to the other side of the world. If I can get under this double chin, I'll unloose it. <laughs> Y'all don't laugh like that. that was... <laughs> I got news for you. There's a great revival going on. Jerusalem's exploding. Tonight, the eyes of the world are upon her. The whole Middle East is looking for a leader. That ought to excite you down in your saved bones, down in the marrow of your bones. That ought to excite you. Honey, the Middle East is looking for a leader. Glory to God. I, I'm going to make a little announcement. I'm going to whisper it to you, but I expect you to holler, Amen. Jesus is coming soon. Glory to God. I want to be found faithful. I want to be found on the front lines. And I believe that we can have revival. Brother, and, and I, Pastor, I was telling them, I, I'd love for God to sit down in here and start saving sinners up in these hollers up in there. Go along this creek bed and go out in these highways and byways and the drawing. I'd love to see that. An explosion of the power of God. That drawn power. I'd like to see this thing so filled that we'd worry about it collapsing. <laughs> There's some kind of story about that, ain't y'all got to refresh me on that? Something about the miracle and this building. I hope it don't fall over while we're standing here. I hope the miracle's still with us. But, <laughs> but I'd love to see God pack this place out and save sinners, Amen, by the dozens, brother. He can, and I, and, and if he, the Lord sends revival, here's what Satan fears about. Now, I want you to look at this. Sanballat in chapter 4 verse 2 is mocking the Jews. Now Nehemiah is rebuilding the walls and repairing the gates and, and Jerusalem is in revival right here. And, uh, Sanballat in verse 2 begins to talk trash. Now the young people understand that generation. They understand that language. They're talking trash. That means when somebody's fixing to fight you and he's running his mouth, he's really telling you what he's scared of. Can I get a witness right there? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Now, Pastor, here's, I want you to look at verse 2. Five questions. And, and I believe he's telling on himself. He's telling, the enemy is telling us what he's afraid of. And I want to go over that tonight. What the enemy, what Satan fears about revival. Woo! It feels good in here, Brother Pal. Well, y'all been doing something right. I, if I wasn't five pounds overweight, I'd run. Now, you fat people quit laughing at me. You, they knew I was telling a story right there. <laughs> Look in verse 2. Now, I'm just underline. Underline that word feeble. He said, what do these feeble Jews think they're doing? Underline that word fortify. He said, do they think they're going to fortify themselves? Underline that word sacrifice. He's afraid he's going to start sacrificing. Woo, he don't want that blood to run. And then the fourth one, underline that word end. Will they make an end in a day? And then I love that last one. Woo, save the best for last. Underline the word revive. Will they revive? 
the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish. Glory to God, preacher. I'd love to see the Lord send a revival. Now, here's what Satan's scared of. And I believe old Sam Ballot was standing up there running his mouth. Now, uh, I'm not a big fighter. There are a lot of people I'd like to whip. (laughs) But I'm not a fighter. And uh, uh, I'm willing to, and sometimes I've wanted to. But uh, I noticed this about fight, that uh, they'll run their mouth sometimes. And actually, the one running his mouth is the one scared. Cause the old boy ready to fight, he just, he jumps on your head and goes whooping you. And when they stand around talking, they're scared. Now, I don't know, you may have some rough ones in here. I seen one or two look like they've been to prison. <laughs> I'm not gonna tell you who I think it is. But, I know this, out in the schoolyard, when they, some of the boy that was gonna fight, he just hit you. But the one standing there talking, he's actually scared. You spell that with a K and two E's, scared. (laughs) We are in Tennessee, ain't we? I smell some hillbillies in this place. You and you. Amen. And probably the rest of them. I got news for you. Sandballot was running his mouth because he was scared. And here's what he's afraid of. The same thing Satan's afraid of. He'd hate to see a revival. And here's what he's afraid of. He said, what do these feeble Jews? Underline that word feeble. And I want to say this. He was afraid of their weakness. Now you'll have to think with me just for a minute there. I know that's a, usually you'd be afraid of somebody's strength. But he was afraid. <laughs> you know why he called them feeble? Because he was scared. He knew they was a little ragtag outfit. But he knew that God was on their side. And I don't know if y'all know it or not, but the secret to our strength is our weakness. Second Corinthians 12, isn't that what God told Paul? My strength is made perfect in weakness. And the Lord had to drain the apostle Paul of all of Paul's strength so he could live on God's strength. Why do you think the Lord drains us of our strength? Honey, He'll arrange weakness in our life. He'll arrange weakness in our Christian journey. So we'll lean on Him. We've always been a weak outfit. And feeble. I even did a word study. It means lacking in physical resources. Does anybody here know what it is to lack in physical resources? I ain't got a lot of money to y'all. I ain't got a lot of friends, do I got some, but I ain't got enough to come in here and turn it around. My friends love me, but they can't help me with what I need help with. And honey, I got news for you. The church has always lacked in physical resources. He said, just, just take your garments and sit up and your shoes. And he said, all you boys need one or two swords for the whole crowd. He said, and he said, just hit the road. God will meet your need. That's what he told him. He said, don't take any gold or silver. And brother, the foxes have holes, the birds there have nests. Jesus had nowhere to lay his head. And he chose, 1 Corinthians 1, he's chosen the weak things to confound the mighty. And the base things to confound the nobles. And, and, the, and those things which are despised, those feeble Jews. Goliath thought that was a real feeble effort when they sent little David out there. That little sling stone, that little rock. Can I get a witness? There may be a truck driver in here. They tell me Goliath's spear 
was the same size as, y'all help me, what's that long, that long axle underneath the truck? Drive shaft. Thank you, preacher. I knew the word drive was in there somewhere. I am not a trucker. Drive shaft. Thing as long as a drive shaft and as big and as heavy and Goliath, nearly ten foot tall, had that spear. Said it was the same length and weight of a drive shaft on the eighteen footer. And here come little David, a little slow. Goliath said, What does this feeble Jew think he's doing? You know what David said? I studied the original language. He said, you better call your mama. <laughs> That's out of the Hebrew. You better call your mama because there's a bear hide, or a bear, what do you call it, bear skin. There's a dead bear up there, and there's a lion skin back in, and the same God who stood with me against the bear and stood with me against the lion is, is fixing to clean your clock. The battle's the Lord's. God always lets us operate in weakness because that's the only way His strength will come through. Hallelujah. We've always looked weak. He said, Moses, what the... God put that bush on fire and there's Moses and the Lord Exodus 4. What is that in thine hand? Do y'all know that's the only thing the Lord needs is just what you got? Woo! It ain't got to be anything big or impressive. Moses said, he stuttered and stammered. He said, and he was a fugitive. He'd killed a man in Egypt living on the backside of the desert. Just a lowly shepherd. All they had was a rod and that shepherd's stick. Moses said, what is that in thine hand? Just a rod. Moses said, you expect me to overthrow the world empire? Pharaoh, the most powerful man on the face of the earth, and just, what are we going to do this? How are we going to do it? What are we going to do it with? And God said, well, what do you got? Uh, a stick. And God said, okay. You hold your end by faith, and I'll hold the other end with my power. Those Jews, honey, God's people have always looked feeble. The world come by here tonight and say, you're the great and mighty church, are you? Got all the riches of glory, do you? Got all the power of God. You say there's a God and you're operating and all hit. Boy, y'all sure do look like a ragtag outfit. They'd come by here tonight and they'd say, your pastor's not too impressive. Sorry, Sid. They'd say, your evangelist ain't too impressive. They'd say, your, your building's not too impressive. Not with all these great buildings and skyscrapers. They'd say, they'd say all you got is a couple of hillbillies and a few other crazy people there. They'd say, you kidding me? You Jews look so feeble. <laughs> Woo! I'm having me a happy bubble. I'm thinking about what the old song said. But oh, it's not what you see that makes me a king, makes me a king to me. I've everything. I don't, I don't remember all these words. All that I need, all that I need. Treasures unseen. <laughs> I didn't know I remembered that song. Woo! It ain't what you see that makes us rich. 
We may be a weak and haggardly looking outfit. The church always has looked weak to the world. But oh, the devil's figured something out, honey. When we get low and little and limping along, our God comes and helps us. And you know what? If we was operating in all the strength, all the money, the resources, and the and all that we this world thinks you need to operate, you know what we'd do? We'd put our thumbs in our spenders, and we'd strut. But God keeps us feeble. And you know what happens when we get real low? We'll say, "Lord, if you don't help us." Would you please help? If you don't help us, we're done. <laughs> and right about there is where all the hell's in trouble. When the child of God says, Lord, help. <laughs> oh, he, he, he's actually scared of our weakness. Because that's when we pray. Number two, John line the word, what's the next thing? I mean this. This this schoolyard bully here, he was running his mouth. That's funny, he wasn't fighting. He just talking. Will they fortify themselves? You know, the enemy's scared of our walls. He was afraid they was going to fortify themselves. I looked up that word fortify, Brother Powell. It means it means to raise up strong places that the enemy can't break through. You know, if we're going to have revival, somebody needs to raise up some prayer. Somebody needs to raise up the altar again. Somebody needs to raise up that book. Somebody needs to confess their sin, call on God, and raise up that standard and ask the Lord for help. Raise up some strong places. We need some praying in the church. We need some preaching in the church. The preaching is where the power of God is. These big old mega super churches with, you know, a hundred gazillion people all going in there for one morning service a week. And, oh, honey, they have the world to go to church if you won't have church. But if you have church and the world's going to go somewhere else. And I want sinners to come. And I believe we ought to compel them that the house may be filled. And that, but it takes the drawing power of God. I know that much. Honey, I got news for you. We need to raise up some strong places. We need to flush all the hell out of our homes and out of our out of our out of our lives, don't we? And raise up some strong places. Fortify. They're scared of our walls. Honey, somebody ought to raise some walls back up. Some walls that separate and divide. Keep the wolves out and keep keep the enemy out. That the enemy can't break through and steal. We need some walls. We need some separation. Them walls separate. Do you know that's what this hour, that's what all these mega contemporary churches are about? They even, that big church in Houston, even the church without walls. That's their name. Well, they ought to be ashamed of that. Church without walls. And and this non-denominational ecumenical, that's just a big word for me. The devil wants you to drop your Bible, drop your doctrine, and get you to fellowship with all the religions of the world. And honey, we believe in we believe in biblical separation. We believe in 
ecclesiastical, this fancy word for church. We believe in our doctrine. Amen. Amen. That sword divides. Yes, sir. Walls. He's scared of our walls in this outfit. Tear all your walls down and let's all just hold hands. And you know when the promise keepers, and that, you don't even remember them anymore, do you? That was the early mid-90s and the promise keepers, a bunch of fellas holding hands in a football stadium. <laughs> fellas shouldn't go to a football stadium and hold hands. <laughs> fellas shouldn't hardly ever hold hands nowhere. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but I... The promise keepers come to town. And they're going to revive America by all the men promising God that they're going to behave. Well, honey, that's why the Old Testament's there to show you that the promises of men are always falling through. Every man's a liar and God only is true. And, uh, oh, a church without walls. Honey, I say we need some walls. When you take your youngest to the zoo, do you say, now, listen, we don't believe in walls. It's so mean and ugly to have dividers. <laughs> Mr. Zookeeper, tear that wall down. <laughs> no, that was Reagan. I tear that wall down. Is that what you say when you take your youngest to the zoo? What do you say when there's a big lightning storm and a thunderstorm? Open the doors and the window to tear these walls to put the youngins outside. This is just, these walls are so thick. Oh, honey, a church ought to have walls. It ought not to keep sinners out, but it ought to keep Satan out. Oh, see, he's scared of our walls. And then number three, underline the third question. What do these feeble Jews? This old boy's telling what he's scared of. Will they fortify themselves? And then here, I love this third one. Will they sacrifice? He's scared of our worship. He's scared of our worship. Brother Powell, the enemy's love. Oh, he's scared of the day that that a big sacrifice. He's scared of Calvary's blood. He's scared of that sacrifice. Oh, Sam Ballot said, you think they're going to get back in there on that temple mount and start killing lambs again and turtle doves and pigeons and bullocks and goats? And boy, he said, they think them. And you know, they've always called us a bloody religion. A bloody religion. That's what half the contemporary megachurch movement is about. Is take away all... A friend of mine told me, he said, you got to take all them blood songs out. said, they're gross to the world. Washed in the blood. There is a fountain filled with blood. Oh, the blood of Jesus. And that's what they're teaching all these little old contemporary songs is about. Is, is getting the blood out of them. Honey, they're taking the blood out of their Bibles. They're taking the blood out of their songs. They're taking the blood out of their services. And Satan don't mind you having church if you can get the blood of Jesus out of it. But he's scared of our worship. Thank God there is a fountain filled with blood. Hallelujah. I noticed something interesting. I did my little word study on this word, sacrifice. Brother Powell, you know what it meant? This thing was amazing to me. So this peculiar word, this particular word, rather, this particular word was not the common word for the priest doing their regular sacrifices. This was a word for sacrifice for when the people came and offered an unusual sacrifice. 
is something that nobody expected. It's when the lay people came forward to sacrifice. I tell you something, honey, the devil don't mind him pastoring me evangelizing her playing that piano, the song leader leap. He don't mind the the priests doing the work. But when the lay people come out of their they've been out in the fields working, when they come down to the temple, are y'all with me? Honey, if they begin to come forward and say, I want to give this to the Lord. I want to give thanks to the Lord. I want to come and just, I know nobody asked me and I know it ain't part of the routine. (laughs) Woo! That's how revival is started around here when the lay people step forward and begin to go above and beyond for what the Lord is doing in their life. I remember I was a pastor in the early 90s and I pastored one church in, in, from age 21 to 29 and one morning I remember a great revival. My wife got saved and I wasn't married to her at the time. I was, I was 21 and still in school and pastoring a little country church and wasn't married, had never been married yet and, and uh, this the meeting that she got saved. Two young girls on the front row. I pastored near the Florida State Prison. Had some rough people. Most of the kids in there had a parent or, or somebody in the prison. And boy, you talked about messed up and broken, dysfunctional lives. Kids coming out of broke homes. Home broke four ways. Youngins raised in all kinds of hell. And there's two girls come. Neither one of them. Neither one of them had a parent that came to our church. I think one had an aunt and the, and the other one was her friend. But they come faithful and got on fire for God. I'm talking about the sacrifice that comes from the people. And one morning they stepped forward. Come up to the altar and I stepped down. They wanted me to talk to them. And they had a little box, had a little bag actually, a little and this is going to mess some of you up, but had them old Daisy Duke short shorts. Them kind where your rear end hangs out. And they had some of them little halter tops. And they said, preacher, they had a little bag of clothes like that. And that nobody even said anything. It just came out of nowhere. They said, preacher, we want to serve the Lord and we're on fire for Jesus and we're going to quit wearing these ungodly clothes. Said we want you to burn them. And you know that started a domino effect in our church, and it it took three weeks before stuff quit coming in. There's people brought heavy metal and old wicked rock music and demon possessed music and laid it on the altar. We had all sorts of dope. <laughs> I thought about going selling some of it and putting it in the building fund. We had several bags of we had several bags of marijuana, I, and uh, and some of them men got up in there at two different. I can remember now, and I wouldn't ever tell on them for saving their life. But I remember two men brought a box out of the attic, stuff they wouldn't ever want nobody to see. You men understand? And they brought that in there, and brother, we had stuff piled up. Them mamas got to going through their children's nurseries and getting all that demon stuff out. 
all the witches and wizards in their books and movies and toys. Hello. Hello. I mean, I know you don't hear about this much. Not Harry Potter being the best-selling book for children. And Twilight, girls in love with, with a demon-possessed corpse. You know, it's what a vampire is. The Twilight movies is, is the rage with all the young 20-somethings and the Harry Potters, the rage with all the children and teenagers. How do, and, and they say, well, he's a good witch. And they say, but he's a good vampire. And I can hear Satan out of hell saying, yeah, and I'm a good devil. Yeah. Honey, you've come into a sad hour. Mike Bagwell, great man of God, told me this. Said, you, said a civilization has reached the end when they call good evil and evil good. And Brother Powell, they got the cleaning out there. And brother, they is bringing all that devil stuff and witchcraft stuff. We had so much stuff. I was getting scared when I was. I hope the law don't come by. <laughs> but the Lord was coming by. And we had a burning. Got all that stuff stacked up and got out there. And one night on a Sunday night, we went out there and somebody brought a big old barrel, one of them big drum barrels. What, how do you say it? Thank you. I need you to go with me and interpret as I preach across the country. I've turned 40 and my hair's turning gray and words, the almost right word always comes out. <laughs> but not the actual word. What was funny is they put too much in there, packed it in, and that whoever brought it is like a two-inch thick stainless steel. That thing weighed as much as a pickup truck. And, they, and it wouldn't burn. And so I had one deacon and I was out in the swamp. Now these were swampers. Little crazier than hillbillies. <laughs> and one of them went to the house and brought back some diesel fuel. He said it'll burn slow, but it'll burn. And another one went to the house and got a big old ha- uh, axe. He thought it was one of them little old rusty barrels. He was going to punch a couple of holes in the bottom, get a draft going, and let that <laughs> old boy soaked it in diesel. And bong, <laughs> bong. I had a young, we had a bunch of young preachers on fire, and I told the had one boy, he was on fire. I said, you preach a while, son, while we're getting this fire to burn. There was all outside. He got the preaching, he got the going, and he got the preaching, looked like an Indian dancing around the fire. That Robert Rose was, boom! And every time he'd do it, blue and green flames would shoot up that decent, boom! And, that boy was, and them boys got the shouting with him. We had one set of neighbors that hated our ever-loving internals. Hated our gut. And they started rooting and said they've gone crazy over there. Said they're beating the drum and dancing around a fire. <laughs> I say amen. We need to have a revival that'll tear the town up. And I forget during those days, during those months, sinners got saved by the dozens when the common people stepped forward. To sacrifice. Wasn't just the regular preachers and people doing the regular duties. It's when they came out of the crowd. Will they sacrifice? Now are we at number four? Here's the fourth one. I got my little stopwatch going here. I'm I'm not expecting a call. But pray that nobody calls. 
Because when they call, it just this stops and it says call, and then I have no idea, and I start my sermon all over and preach for another. That happens from time to time. Now here's the. Why do these feeble Jews? They're scared of our weakness. Will they fortify? Satan's scared of our walls. Will they sacrifice? He's scared of our worship. And will they make an end in a day? He's scared of our waiting. Our waiting. You know, hey, one of the greatest things you and I ever do is wait on God. Right here, Brother Powell. Now, I had to chew on this one. It's not language we use every day. Will they make an end in a day? Do you know that's what Satan's scared of? He's scared of how this thing will end. He's scared that we're going to finish what we've started. He's scared how this thing's going to wrap up. He's, you know what he was saying? The old King's English. Let me break it down for you. Do they actually think they're going to finish this? Do they think they're going to finish this anytime soon? Will they make an end in a day? He said they think they're just going to go up there and then get it all done. He's trying to discourage them and trying to say they'll never get that finished. That'll never be completed. You know what Satan does to me and you? He says, this will never be over. You'll never be through. He'll tell you, you'll never get out of that trial. He'll tell you, you'll never get out of that valley. He tells pastors, it'll never get over the hump and turn into something. He he tells he tells Christians it, it, your pain's never going to end. He's been telling the church two thousand years Jesus ain't coming back. It's not going to end. But I got an issue, and I like the phrase in here: "In a day, there is coming a day." I need some Bible readers here. Joel prophesied of a day. Zechariah talked about a day. Moses knew about a day. Abraham saw that day. Revelation tells you about a day. Amen. Jesus in Matthew 24, he talked about a day. And can I say, there is coming a day, it will all come to an end. And the old songwriter said, what a day that will be. What a day that will be. (laughs) Woo! And until then, we got to wait and persevere. You know, I appreciate your wife, Brother Powell. All these years, it's way back up on I-24, been preaching for you. She's always been with you, and she's always had the same countenance, a good countenance. It's that a blessing. You know how many of them's quitting? You know how many preachers are quitting these days? You know how many preachers' wives are throwing in the towel and checking out? And stop and say a little something. I hope y'all got a heart for your preacher. Because God's men are living in a world that God's called them to live in. And they're fighting the fight. God's called them to fight. And I don't mean to be ugly to you, but it's something you don't know anything about. And you don't need to. You go out and you work and you come in and God's man's the one been standing in the gap. He's taking everything that hell can throw at him to try to get him to quit and change and drop. And he's working to receive everything from heaven to give to you. You ought to have a heart for your preacher. Waiting. That's the greatest challenge that's ever been given to the Christian. 
wait on the Lord. <laughs> keep a doing, keep a going, and this and it will come to an end. Your trial will come to an end. Everybody that ever did anything for God had to wait. Noah had to wait 120 years for that prophecy to come true. Abraham had to wait a quarter of a century before that promised child got here. David had to wait, brother, for a decade or better before the actual prophecy and the anointing that he would be king before he actually became king. And there was a lot of desert and wilderness between the time God said you will be and the time that he was. Had to live in that live in them caves and run from Saul all them years. And he had to live with the prophet. God said you'd be king, but he wasn't king, and the actual king was trying to kill him. What God said and where he is living was two different things. Joshua and Caleb had to wait 40 more years to get in the promised land. The church been waiting 2,000 years for Jesus to come back. Psalm 27, wait on the Lord. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen thine heart. And honey, if me and you are going to go anywhere with God, the enemy's going to say, it'll never come to an end. You'll never see a day where it comes to an end. But I got news for y'all. We're going to see a day. And you'll have some good days between now and then where a lot of things will come to an end. Oh, my. Here's the last one. I love this word revive. Will they revive? See, is Satan scared of our weakness and our walls and our worship? And he loves to attack our waiting when we believe in God and just doing what he said do. But I love this, like they're scared of the work. Satan's scared of the work of God. Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? And that's something only God can do. Revive. <laughs> I love this. The stones out of the rubbish heap which are burned. I don't hardly know where to begin right here. This is so, many good, so much good stuff in this little phrase right here. Which are burned. Burned. You know when you burn something that burns completely? It has been reduced to its lowest form. Fire reduces things down to its lowest form. Ain't you glad? And God's the one that burned Jerusalem. He's the one that brought judgment to begin with. Aren't you glad that God will come back and reverse a curse? You better be glad because he put a curse on the first Adam. But thank God he sent Jesus, who was the second Adam, and reversed the curse. Where God judged, God will come back and have mercy. Aren't you glad about that? He'll do it again. The stones, revive the stones. Honey, don't ever get the Lord over a trash heap and tell him he can't revive it. Some of y'all ought to pop some happy bubbles right there. The enemy standing over Jerusalem. It had been smashed and burned and left desolate and forsaken. The weeds rolled up and the goats and the rats were running through it. And Sam Ballot said, <laughs> Do you think that they're going to revive this? Honey, don't talk like that. God may hear you. 
I'm going to make a little statement. I want you to holler amen whether you even feel it or not. God, get over your trash pile and can bring something wonderful out of it. I don't care what's been judged and what's been trashed and what's been forsaken and what's been left desolate. God is able to come back by and revive out of the stones. He can do it again. He can do it again. He can do it again. He called them stones up in there, didn't he? Y'all remember when Jesus was coming into Jerusalem and they were crying, Hosanna, Hosanna. And then Pharisees and rulers were hush, y'all, hush, trying to get the people to quit praising God. Remember what he said? He said, you better let them praise the Lord. He said, if, if these were to be silent, he said, God could make these stones. God could lift these stones. God could touch these stones. And the stones would cry out. Honey, he can revive. God can send revival. God can send revival to this church. He can revive a marriage. He can revive a broken life. He can revive. Your, he can go. Your teenagers get messed up. And then God can send revival. God can bring your prodigal home. God can do great things. I remember, I hope certain people don't hear this recording. I don't know if it's been recorded or not. But <laughs> Are we on recording? Yeah, that's what I thought. Oh, well, it'll help them if they hear it. Worst church I ever preached in. It's in Bay, St. Louis, Mississippi, right outside of New Orleans. Worst meeting I've ever been in. My wife and I, from the time we drove into the area... Our hackles were up. You see me devils in the air. I'm, we switched motels. I mean, this, I could tell you a story for an hour and a half out here and make your blood crawl. The devils and demons and things that we experienced that week. That, that place was too close to New Orleans. You know, there ain't never been an independent Baptist church in New Orleans that ever lasted. Never. That's a mecca of witchcraft. I don't think I was praying for New Orleans when she flooded. I was praying that the dam and levees would break and God would wash it out to sea. I didn't want any children hurt or anything, but I was praying for God to wash that hell hole right on out. That's exactly right. There ain't been an independent Baptist church. Never been in there. That lasted no time at all. There ain't one there now. And I don't think there's a Southern Baptist church you can check up on. But I got news for you. That place was crawling. And absolutely the tiniest offering we ever had. I'm a full-time evangelist. If the Lord's people don't give, then the more water goes in the pen old beans. <laughs> Thought I'd tell you all that and give you a little heart. <laughs> I got three babies. I ought to bring them in here and just hold them up. <laughs> they have a little size. They feed me, please. reason y'all don't hardly ever see my family is because we, when we're home, I let them rest. We've, we travel together. Been on the road for five weeks and got home last night. And so I'm letting them catch up on laundry and being in their own bed and that sort of thing. So I'm sorry, people that live close to us don't hardly ever get to see them. But that church was a tiny little offering. They... The pastor, 
they end up running him off. It was a pitiful, demon-possessed week. And uh, I could tell you some funny stories, too. And half the members worked at the local casino. <laughs> you reckon that might have had something to do with it? It's pitiful. Worst meeting in mid... I preached my first revival. Let's see. I'm 25 years ago. 16-year-old. I'm 41. And that was absolutely one of top four worst ever. And you know what they told me? Y'all want to hear a funny story? <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I mean, y'all okay? Will you come back? They had in their sound room. See where your sound system is? That makes sense. Guy can sit there and just... Stand. They had their sound room. You had to leave <laughs> through that door and go back in a far room. And that's where the sound was. And the old boy would... <clears throat> They brought a boy in that first night. He's going to sing an Elvis's rendition of How Great Thou Art. <laughs> he had the sideburns and the voice. How great. Well, here's how they adjusted the sound. Y'all don't mind laughing a little bit, do you? The people would holler at him. <laughs> hey, get a microphone. <laughs> He'd holler back. What? Hey, you got to turn the left monitor down. They would holler at him. He'd holler back. And I'm not trying to be funny, but we just, <laughs> please, if you have eyes on the side of your head, don't be offended. This boy had his eyes on the side of his head. <laughs> we was in the swamps. We was in Cajun country. And the old boy had two big old, the song leader is the sound man too. He'd go back and adjust his own. And his eyes wasn't here, they were there. <laughs> and I never knew if he was looking at me or away from me and his He'd come and stand in that door and he'd go, right, 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 right. I asked him how the sound went and they'd all holler back. He'd look around. <laughs> well, old boy, he wasn't a member there. Somebody's nephew and they thought he was the greatest thing since sliced bread. He was really slaughtering how great thou art. <laughs> how great. He was killing it. It was not great. It wasn't even art. It was just, how can we get through this? And so, and so old sound man was back, and he thought the song was done. So he clicks it off, and the old boy's just tagging at the very end, a real high note. Oh, he was trying to get us on up. Great the, and click. All the music went on. He said, oh. They all went to holler. Hey, hey, you know it. And they started it over. Do you know how long you can make how great that art if you work at it? Like a 14-minute rendition. Started the whole thing over. So we got through it a second time. He come to the door twice. And they just holler back at him. Oh, yeah. Come with me sometime. We can. Worst meeting ever. When Hurricane Katrina hit, it wiped their building and everything they had off the map. You know what somebody called me and told me? Said they're having revival after Hurricane Katrina. And over 400 people have gotten saved. In that church. And they didn't even have four people with good sense when I was there. 
and they told me, Calvary Baptist Church of Bay St. Louis, Missouri, where you over 400 saved. When Hurricane Katrina hit, they had revival. They started praying. And it don't matter what I thought about it. God can stand over any rubbish heap. And Sam Ballot says he can't revive that. I was with Sam Ballot. Are you right, Sam, baby? I say burn it. <laughs> but God, God can stand over any trash heap and revive anything he wants to. Isn't that amazing? He's afraid of the work of God. Revival. And me and you better be glad he can stand over a trash heap and make something out of it again. Because that's all we was. When he came by to save you out of hell, you was, you, you, a trash heap would have been a nice name to call you and to call me. When he came by that pit where I was, <laughs> Satan trying to keep me from getting saved. Satan said, you going to mess with that trash heap? It's already been burned and judged. God said, I will if I want to. I'm glad he does. I'm glad he does. Well, I'd love to see this thing break out in revival, preacher. I'm praying for it. I'm praying for it. Wouldn't that be something? I want y'all to bow your heads. Sister, whoever, come back and play on the piano. Brother Songwriter, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll just let her softly play, and I want everybody to come pray. I want everybody to come pray, all you men, all you ladies. If you're a visitor from another church, won't you come down here with us and help us pray? Sis, you softly play, and we'll pray. Pray for revival. If you're here without Christ and you're lost, I wish you'd come to Jesus. Now, you may be a visitor. maybe your first time here. You're welcome to pray with us. If your health don't allow, you can pray right where you're at. Let's call on God and ask Him to help us.